he had been out in the desert being tempted of the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. He returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. In other words, Jesus grew up going to church on Sunday. Amen? And he went to church and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. Now this, back in that day, obviously it was a scroll, but it was uh, the prophecy of the, uh, of the writings of the prophet Isaiah, which, by the way, is the exact same Isaiah you have in your Bible. Okay? They gave him a scroll, and he reads from that scroll of Isaiah. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, and here he quotes, he reads from Isaiah chapter 61. Actually, is where he's reading from. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, and because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture that he just read has been fulfilled in your hearing. Let's read. Let's pray. Father, we love you today. We've worshipped you in song, in our, in our giving, in our tithing. Today, we worship you, Lord, by turning our attention to your word, recognizing how important it is to us. The declarations that you made to us, Lord, our life, they are truth, and we just receive them today. I pray that they would penetrate our hearts. It's only by your Spirit, God, that we can believe anything that you say. And so by your Spirit, Lord, we pray that you would touch every heart, every mind, in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, so uh, think about this for just a second. This don't seem make much to us, maybe, but you have to look at it from a Jewish person's perspective that went to that synagogue that day, Okay? All these Jews went to church Sunday morning just like they always have. And they pulled out the, the scrolls, the old prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and so on and so forth. And they would read those uh, scrolls, those writings in church every Sunday. So it was just a Sunday like any other Sunday. But whenever they would talk about it in, in other Sundays, when they would read from Isaiah and read specifically this particular uh, chapter, where Isaiah is writing about what the coming Messiah would be like, okay? This was a prophecy, I think it was like 700 and some years before Christ was born, that Isaiah is writing this prophecy about the coming Messiah. Now, we sang about that this morning, oddly enough, uh, by coincidence, right? They didn't know he was going to be preaching about it. But uh, we use these terms and sometimes you don't know what they mean. Uh, The Messiah means anointed one, okay? It would be the one that God would send to free his people. He was known as Messiah, Okay, uh, in the New Testament, we use the word. Do I know what word we use in place of Messiah? Close, Christ. Okay, Christ means anointed one. So the Old Testament is written. And I'll give you a little Bible study lesson here. And the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, and it's talking about the Messiah, the anointed one. The New Testament was written mostly in Greek, and the anointed one is Christ. So Jesus Christ. Christ was not his last name. Okay. Some people don't realize that. We talk about Jesus Christ. It wasn't that his first name was Jesus and his last name was Christ. He was Jesus the Christ. Okay? He was Jesus the Messiah. The anointed one sent from God to free God's people. Now the Jews, when they would read about the Messiah, they would 
quote this verse from Isaiah, they would think about the Messiah being a king that would come to the earth, destroy all of the Romans and all of the Israelite enemies, and set up a worldly kingdom. That's what they thought the Messiah was coming to do. So any other time in church, the Jews would read this verse and say, one day the Messiah will come and he will deliver us from our enemies. That's how they would translate it. But on this particular Sunday, Jesus goes to church and he makes a declaration of all declarations. And that's what I want to preach about this morning, the declarations of Jesus Christ. Jesus would go to church that morning and he would stand and he would open and he would, roll, he would uh, open the scroll and read that chapter in Isaiah when they would normally say someday the Messiah will come. Jesus says and he declares, today this scripture, this prophecy from the prophet Isaiah is fulfilled in your very eyes and in your ears. Meaning, I am that Messiah. And I mean, he caused the stink, right? I mean, it, it stirred everybody up. Now, some people, as we know, believed Jesus. Many people, especially a lot of the Jews, didn't. And we're going down through here just a little bit more. Uh, where did I leave off that anyway? Uh, verse 22. So if you look at verse 22, uh, after Jesus says, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Uh, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is this not Joseph? Uh, Joseph's son, and then you skip on down along verse number 8, 28. Um, when they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. They rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the, the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. Uh, but passing through their midst, uh, he went away. So you can see that his declaration was not very well received. Okay? Um, they didn't believe him to be the Messiah. They didn't believe him to be the Christ. But Jesus declared himself the Messiah. That's very important, okay? That that's who Jesus said that he is. So Jesus made several declarations in his ministry here on earth. From the moment that Jesus made this declaration and began his earthly ministry, it was about three years. Okay, from the time that he declared himself to be the Son of God, the Messiah, that all this, I'm him to the time that he died on the cross was about a three-year period that he taught. And he made a lot of declarations. And obviously we can't cover every declaration that Jesus made. Uh, but this was the most important one. This was the primary one. This is the one that every other de declaration came from and flowed out of. So while Jesus was on earth and spoke all of his teachings in, de in these declarations, he literally impacted the world, not only then, but he's impacted, his declarations have impacted the world for 2,000 years, his teachings. Obviously, the declarations and the teachings of Christ have impacted us as Christians. We base our whole life around those. We're saved because we've believed in his declarations. But even the world, even, even unbelievers have been impacted by the declarations of Jesus Christ. Even unbelievers, even atheists at times will quote and use the teachings of Jesus, Jesus Christ. For example, one being uh, the golden rule. Okay? Now, Jesus didn't say, okay, here's the golden rule. The Bible doesn't say, doesn't call it the golden rule. We have, we have pinned that. We have called it the golden rule. But you can take an atheist that doesn't even believe in Jesus Christ, doesn't believe in God for that matter, and many times they'll quote the golden rule as though it's just some statement made throughout time that just applies to everybody. And what is the golden rule? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And so the world quotes Christ and lives by Christ. Because here's what happens. That when Jesus came with, a, with, 
with these declarations. His teachings were the teachings of God. And so if society was to actually live by the declarations and the teachings of Christ, this entire world would be at peace. And people, many people, even people that aren't Christians, will recognize that. There's a lot of people uh, who have studied Christ. They're not necessarily Christians, but they've studied the life of Christ, and they believe His teachings to be good as it regards humanity, right? And they'll study about Him, but they never do call out to Him. He's just a good man. He's a good teacher. Maybe, maybe he was a prophet from God. And they'll, they'll look at him, they'll re- study his teaching, and say, yeah, it was good. This is good teaching for everybody uh, to abide by. How many of you know, though, that's not good enough? Amen? So if you turn over to, uh, to Matthew, chapter number 16, verse number 13. Matthew 16, verse 13. Jesus gathered his, his disciples together, has a conversation with them. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, uh, and, and others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Okay, so two questions here. Jesus poses to his disciples. Number one, you guys have been out in the community. You guys have been out around Jerusalem and different areas, uh, and you've heard some talk and gossip about me. I mean, what are people generally saying about me? So Jesus says to them, two questions. One, what do people say, the general public? Number two, what do you say? Right? Two very, very important questions. What do people say? Who do you say? Now, in the big scheme of things, Jesus knew what people said about him. He's not asking the disciples what everybody is saying so that he'll, he'll know about what the gossip, so he'll be informed about what people are gossiping about him. He's not like, you know, worried, oh, what do people think about me? What are people saying about me? He's not asking for that. He already knows what the people are saying about him because he knows every thought, right? Now, the, the disciples say, well, some people think that you're basically John the Baptist reincarnated. Herod had killed John the Baptist, and they think that you've come back uh, you know, John the Baptist come back, and some people think that you're Elijah. You know, Elijah was carried away in the chariot of fire. They think, well, maybe your Elijah has come back because of the whole prophecy that Elijah was coming back. Blah blah blah. And all these different different uh, 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 theories about who Jesus was that were kind of swirling around the day, and there's still a lot of theories about who Jesus is that are swirling around today, right? So Jesus already knew what the people, the unbelievers, those. Outside, he already knew what they thought of him. And he turns to his disciples and he asks, "But who do you say that I am?" Um, he wanted to know how what people were saying about him was affecting his disciples. Because let's be honest: when Jesus asked the disciples, "Who do you say that I am?" he already knew their answer too. Okay. Whether that he was asking them that so that he could find out, he already knew what the people thought. He already knew what the disciples thought. But I believe he wanted these disciples to hear their confession. Right? Jesus says, I know what the people say. I want to know how what the people have said has affected you. We all ask that very same question to ourselves today. Our, our, our uh, universities are saturated with evolution and atheism and, and all of these types of things. We, it, our, our, there's a lot of theories about who Jesus is, and we can ask our same question. What the people and what the world says about Jesus, has that affected what we believe about Jesus? Lord, help us that it never does. 
Peter made the confession. He says to Jesus, when Jesus said to them, who do you say I am? And Peter says, you are the Christ, right? You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Peter says to Jesus, I believe your declaration. Remember, Jesus declared, I am the Messiah. And Peter said, I believe that. I believe your declaration. I confess it. And he heard that coming out of his mouth. I believe that many times, folks, we have all this negative and doubt and all this junk going out of our head, out of our mouth. I wonder what it'd be like if we could just hear ourselves every now and again stop and out loud declare Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Amen. Jesus said, I want you guys to hear it. I want you to hear yourself saying it. Make sure that you really believe it and it's not just Something that you're on board with here for a little while. A lot of us have been raised in church our whole life. We're in a different scenario now than, than Peter was in that day. It was new then. Many of us have been raised in church our entire life. But we, sometimes we stop and think, well, why do I believe what I believe? That's an important question to ask yourself. What do you really believe about Jesus? Just something, when you really begin to seek Him, the Holy Spirit will open up a revelation to you of who Jesus really is that you can believe in Him because you believe in Him, not because your parents did. Right? How has it affected you? He wanted them here to say that. Our concern, folks, is not about what people say. People are going to say everything. Our concern is what we say. In fact, our um, uh, what we say about Jesus is ultimately what we're going to answer for. Okay? I'm not going to answer for what Brother Steve says about Jesus or what the world... I, I, I'm not going to answer for them. I'm only going to answer for how I answer the question. Right? Our, in, our entire eternity rides on how we answer the question, who do you say Jesus is? Do you believe His declaration? Our whole eternity. If we do. If we've humbled ourselves and repented of our sins, and the Holy Spirit, and we, uh, literally by our free will seek God, and the Holy Spirit will open our eyes and show us that Jesus Christ's declaration to be Messiah was true. If we don't believe, and, we, and it's by that declaration that we have eternal life with Him. If we deny and reject that declaration, if we say no, Jesus was not God, then we have no hope of eternal life. I mean, that is that is the declaration of all declarations. Okay, so. Um, now flip real quick to the right, go to Mark chapter 14. Mark chapter 14, verse 55. Peter, no, no, where, where, where am I? There it is. Now the chief priests and the whole council were seeking testimony against Jesus to put him to death, but they found none couldn't find anything against him. He's, he hadn't broken any laws, so they had to make something up. Uh, many bore false witness against him, but their testimony did not, they didn't agree. Some stood up and bore false witness saying, against him, saying, we heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. Now, obviously, they were talking about the real temple. He was threatening the temple, and we know he was teaching about his body that would die and then in three days be raised again. So they're trying everything that they can to get rid of Jesus. Why? They didn't believe his declaration. You know, he declared himself to be the Messiah. They didn't believe that. So now they're trying to get rid of him, which is exactly what our society is trying to do now. Right? Let's get rid of Jesus. Jesus brings offense. Jesus brings conviction. So let's get rid of Jesus. We're okay with God, some creator out there, 
But let's get away with just get rid of Jesus because we don't want to believe his declaration. So again, these guys didn't believe the declaration of Jesus. They're trying to find some some dirt on him. They can't find any. You know why? Because there was no guile in his mouth. He never said, never even with his words did he ever sin against God or man. So they could find nothing against him. Yet even about this, their testimony did not agree. And the high priest stood up in the midst, in the middle of everybody, and asked Jesus, Have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? But he remained silent and made no answer. Jesus didn't even find, find it necessary to rebuttal all these stupid, false accusations. But then, the high priest asked him, Are you the Christ, the Son of the blessed? Jesus said, What? I am. He declared, I am the Christ. I am the Messiah that Isaiah and Jeremiah and all the prophets spoke of that would one day come. I am, and by the way, you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. Amen? So Jesus makes a declaration, I am the Messiah, I am the Christ, and you may not believe that now, but one day you will. Amen? You'll see me coming in the clouds of great glory when God, when my Father brings all of this to an end. He made the declaration, restated the declaration. He'd already made it three years prior, right? They didn't believe the declaration. They asked him again, right here in front of everybody, in front of the council, knowing that these men basically have the power to see his execution through, are you the Christ? And he says to them, I am. He made the declaration. Now, do you understand that that was blasphemy to these guys? For a man to declare himself to be equal with God was blasphemy. That was the worst sin you could possibly make. And so now they, they don't believe, you know, they believe Jesus is just a man. He's declared himself to be the Son of God, equal with God. Therefore, he has committed blasphemy. And according to the law, he is worthy of death. Okay? Which was true. If, if it wasn't true. Exactly. If it wasn't true, then they were right. He deserved to die according to the law. But it was true. Right? That's what everybody had to determine. Jesus made the declaration, I'm the Messiah. Do you believe him or don't you? That, that's the question. Amen? There's only one declaration. Jesus made a lot of declarations. There's a lot of teaching. But this declaration here, if you, if you don't believe that declaration, then don't worry about any of the rest of them. And that's what people say, oh, well, you know, Jesus was a good teacher and he had some good thoughts uh, that we should uh, apply to our life and they'll, they'll acknowledge that, whatever. But if, he's, if you don't believe that declaration, if he was not the Messiah, if he was not the Son of God, then he was a lunatic, right? I mean, he was just off his right. So if you don't believe that declaration, throw away all of them. But if you do believe that declaration, then you have to believe every declaration thereafter. How do you say, yes, I believe, God, I believe Jesus is the Son of God, He is the Messiah, He did die for my sins, and then ignore every other teaching that He gave? People do it all the time. Christian people do it all the time. We believe in Jesus. I'm going to heaven. Thank God He died for my sins. And then we, and then, and then we just ignore Something so simple that he taught. We say, well, yeah, but my situation is different. Or blah, blah, blah. I'm going to talk a little bit about some of these declarations um, that we have a tendency to sweep under the rug. But before I do, the problem is, really, one of the main problems within the church is this, is that Christians have a tendency to argue over things that Jesus never made a declaration about. Think about that for a minute. Think about some of the most 
petty arguments that take place within churches and within the whole body of Christ. We argue, we debate, we go back and forth, and when you get to looking, Jesus never said a word about it. Why are we arguing over a declaration Jesus never made? Why wouldn't we want to focus on what he did say? Doesn't that just make sense? That we would focus on what he said and not what he didn't say? We, we always act sometimes like, well, Jesus forgot to address this, so he needed me to come along and take care of it. That's, that's blasphemy. That's exactly right. That is blasphemy. Um, I'm, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but I'm not the Holy Ghost, right? There's a big difference. Um, just a couple of examples I thought of as I was going through this. I mean, even just as it regards, uh, you know, church buildings. Uh, you know, we, we get all worked up in what our church buildings look like and uh, whether or not they have pews or whether they have a steeple. And, and by the way, I might say this on, on, to your credit, um, and I've said this to many people, throughout this entire building project, um, you know, our, our church is it's, it's outside. It's not traditional in the sense. I didn't want it to be traditional. I wanted it to be neutral. I wanted it to be. I didn't want to just be uh, caught up in preserving some sort of nostalgia and having everything the way every other church is. I want something different. And and uh, this church has been great. I mean, honestly, and, and everybody, I'm, 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 everybody, knock on the wood in front of you. You've been great. Really, have been great. We haven't had any uproars about you know what color the people we have. We don't want any, nobody, nobody wants orange seats. There has been an uproar about that. You ladies, are, you know, we're done with the orange seats. Um, but my, my point is this: is that Jesus never said anything about what a church building should look like. He never made a declaration about it ever. What Jesus said about church was that we should go out into all the world and preach the gospel. But people argue about the church building and what it should look like and how we... And all this. Jesus never made a declaration about church service. How we operate a church service and what we do here inside this building. Other than, really the only thing Jesus said was, when you worship, worship in spirit and in truth. Amen? That was the declaration He made. Not necessarily all the other stuff go along. Clothing. Jesus never said... You gotta wear a dress when you go to church, you gotta wear a tie when you go to church, you gotta wear blah 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 blah, you gotta get your hair this. He never gave us any kind of specific dress because people get so caught up in that, and Jesus is saying, I'm looking past all of that anyway, and I'm looking right straight at the heart. You can come in here in a suit and tie and be just as polluted. God just turn away from you because you just you're polluted with pride and all that kind of stuff. It doesn't it doesn't matter, does it? The only you've heard me say this before, but you know, I don't like to wear a tie, I don't wear one, Jeff wears one, that's cool. He don't condemn me for not wearing one, and I don't condemn him for wearing one. I think he's crazy, but I mean, you know, I don't condemn him. My, my point in saying all that is this. Yeah, that, some people think so. Some people think so. Uh, the, uh, the only thing I could find about, uh, you know, Jesus, the only thing we really said much about clothing um, had to do with, uh, he did address uh, some, some people who dressed up really fancy, you know, but he did uh, generally didn't care much for them, right? I mean, it was the ones that were all the Pharisees that all dressed to the hilt and had their, you know, their clothes. And Jesus said, "Yeah, they wear all that stuff because they want everybody to see them, but don't don't follow them, right?" But anyway, that's a whole other story. My point is this: he wasn't, he never made a declaration about church hierarchy, you know, and and one one being any more important than the other. Jesus, what he declared was this: the first will be last, the last will be first. Nobody is any more important in the body of Christ than anybody else. The first will be last, the last will be first. Jesus declared this. He said, I didn't even, Jesus, being the Messiah, already declaring that, He said, I didn't even come to this earth to be served. I came to serve. Therefore, we as the body of Christ, the declaration is this, that we are called as God's body to serve one another, not be served from everybody that, that we desire. 
So let's not argue about things Jesus never made a declaration over. Let's look at his declarations. We've already established the first one. If we believe that one, we have to believe all the rest. So I'm just going to obviously be here all day. I'm not going to. I'm going to hit three or four here. Declarations that Jesus made that we kind of have a tendency uh, to sweep under the rug. And I'm not just talking about unbelievers. I'm talking about even Christians, uh, church people, that sweep some of these declarations under the rug. Again, if we believe Him to be who He said He is, then we have to believe these declarations and follow them. Now I'm going to give you a scripture reference. You can write down and look around later. I'm not going to wait for you to get to these places, okay? Um, because I've got to write down here. I want to get through this. Uh, in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus said to him, he declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Look here. No one comes to the Father except by me. What Jesus declared is, there is but one way to God. There is only one way to be saved. There is only one path. One path that leads to heaven. Virginia was reading, writing about that path earlier. There's one path that goes to God, and that path is Jesus Christ. There is no other way to be saved. There's no other way to go to heaven. You say, well, I just don't know. These other people, they have good, they're good people. They have good intentions just because they don't believe in Jesus. I, don't believe. I, I, I get it. That's what you have to decide. Do you believe it or don't you? But if you believe the original declaration of Jesus Christ, that He's the Messiah, the Son of God, then you have to believe that declaration. You can't not believe. He was either right all the time or He was wrong all the time. I don't put my faith in somebody that's, you know, maybe they're right, maybe they're not. Jesus was right 100% of the time. Okay? Jesus is the only way to God. Why wouldn't we want to come through Him? Why wouldn't we? Why would I want to try to go through Muhammad that wants me to kill every person that doesn't believe the way I do? Why wouldn't I want to come through Christ who says, look, I'm coming to bring you a message of hope. I am coming to literally be an extension of God's hand so that you can receive forgiveness for your sins, be restored, and spend eternity with God. Why wouldn't we want to come to God through Christ? There is no other way. It doesn't matter what Oprah Winfrey says. It just doesn't. I'm not trying to be facetious. I'm not trying to be vicious. I'm saying that you take someone like that that has the ear of such a large uh, uh, of the population that she has their ear and she can say oh well you might call it the light you might call it the Lord and, but everybody you know has their own way of getting to heaven I don't, it doesn't matter what Oprah Winfrey says Jesus Christ declared I am the only way to God the only son that's exactly right Oprah Winfrey did not die for my sins She's done nothing for me. Jesus Christ went to the cross on my behalf. He endured the pain of the whipping post, the crown of thorns, and the cross for me. So I wouldn't have to endure it. Wow. In Mark chapter 8, verse 38, Jesus declared, Whosoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of His Father with the holy angels. Our confession of Jesus Christ is of the utmost importance. I already said it. How we, how we answer the question, who do you say Jesus is? Do you believe His declaration to be the Christ, the Son of the living God? And that requires, our belief 
requires a confession. Okay? If we believe it, we are supposed to confess it. Out loud. Unashamed. Even if it costs us our life. Jesus said, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. Right? But if you gain your life, meaning you, re- you deny me or if you're ashamed of me in order to save your own hide, then you ultimately in the end lose your life. Okay? So Jesus is saying we, the confession is a must. So if we confess Him, no matter what it costs us, we're saved. If we're ashamed, if we are ashamed to confess Christ as our Savior, then we're not really believing His declaration. We're more concerned about what the people say than we are about what God says. And Jesus declared, if you are ashamed of me in this sinful world and you do not confess me before men, then when you stand before God, I will not confess you. Folks, let me tell you something. There's one thing you desperately want. When you're standing before God, it's judgment day, and you're thinking back to all of the sins that you committed in your life, and you know in your heart of hearts that you're worthy of hell, And Jesus comes up and says, Father, He confessed me. Therefore, I confess Him before you. He is is my child. He is your child. He is forgiven. He is clean as if He's never sinned. And then the Father says to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. Come on in into the glory of the Father. You desperately want to hear that. Somebody teasing you or making fun of you or thinking you're a goofball by believing... In this life, it doesn't matter what they believe. Who cares what the people say, Jesus is declaring. Folks, let me say this. This doesn't mean you have to forward every email that comes to you that says, if you don't forward this email, you don't really love Jesus. That's not what he's getting at. I delete those. If it's any consolation, I delete them. Don't send them to me. I'm not going to forward them. That's stupid. That's cheesy. There's more to this than that. This is, this, he's talking about when we're living life, when we're in the trenches, right? When, the going, when I mean, we're down there and the rubber meets the road, are we trusting, are we confessing Christ or aren't we? That's what it boils down to. Amen? Don't be ashamed of Him. Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48. It says, And if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. Excuse me. Where their worm dies not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter, uh, enter halt or, or crippled into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire. Where their worm dieth not, and the fire... Uh, is not quenched. Okay, so I, I trust that you picked up on a pattern through that those scriptures that we just got done reading. One thing that Jesus declared that we, as mankind, sometimes even the church, some certain church circles want to sweep under the rug and do away with, is the fact that hell is a very real place. Okay, hell is real. It's not a it's not a figment of imagination. It's not a state of mind. I believe with all of my heart, Jesus is declaring that hell is a very real place. And that it is made up of fire that is never quenched. Okay, Now, that's a horrible thought. I wish it didn't exist. I really do. And I don't want anybody to go. In fact, my goal as a pastor, I, I, want, to make it, I want to make it hard for people to go to hell. Amen? And, I, and quite frankly, I think... No, bear with me before you judge me on this stomach. I think it is kind of hard to go to hell. And what I mean by that is this. God, Jesus has extended His hand and made it so easy for us to be saved 
that we would just believe in His confession, that He is the Son of God, and trust that His Him dying on the cross is what really ultimately forgives me? He's made it very easy. People have made it hard. It's not hard to go to heaven. It should be hard to go to hell. I believe it is hard to go. I think that you absolutely have to just reject Christ with all that's within you and want nothing to do with it in order for you not to be able to have the Spirit of God reveal to you what the truth is. When we talk about these things, it's not pleasant, and we don't. Really, that's why we sweep them under the rug. The thought of people being in hell for all eternity is a horrible thought. But it was a declaration of Jesus Christ. So it doesn't matter whether you know we don't believe it or not. He also, I mean, he also he told the, uh, the story about the rich man and Lazarus. Remember, the the the, the beggar uh, went. You know, when he died, he went into with the angels, carried him into Abraham's bosom. The rich man, he said, and I quote, Jesus said, the rich man, when he died, lifted up his eyes in hell. Why was it? He he was all consumed about self, right? He didn't care for anybody else. He was all his whole life was about him. He rejected God and everything had to do with God, and he lifted up his eyes. Jesus said, in hell, and it said, uh, being tormented in this flame. So it was a real place. I believe Jesus declared it. So whether we you know, believe that or not, is really not relevant. You know, I mean, the Scripture says, let God be true and every man a liar. So, again, you say, I don't believe that. Okay, that's fine. You don't have to believe in hell. You don't have to believe it's a real place and that's fine, but you can't believe in His original declaration. Right? If you believe the original declaration, you have to believe all of the rest of them. It's not a pleasant thing. I, I'm up here doing what I do because I like, I like to get people out of hell. Amen? I don't like to talk about it. I really don't. It'd be easier for me to sweep it under the rug. Not talk about it. Nobody feels uncomfortable and, and feels bad about themselves. But um, I think it's important to make sure people realize that hell is a reality. There's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. There's a hell, hell exists. There ain't no reason for any of y'all to go there. Amen? I'm going to make it hard for you to go to hell. Let's put it that way. I want to make sure that you always know that God's love is greater than any of your sin. That God's hand is extended to you as long as you live. All you have to do Put your faith in Him. All you have to do is call out to Him and He will save you. Whosoever calls unto me, Jesus said, I will. Not, there's no way I'll cast them out. I will bring them unto me. I will save them. That's the good news. Um, i got to hurry. <clears throat> Matthew 6, 14. Jesus declared, If you forgive other people their trespasses, uh, you know the sins that they commit against you, when people do something bad to you, if you'll forgive them, then your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But, everybody say but. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That is one that a lot of people like to sweep under the rug. Because this is, this we face it, it really stinks when you get hurt. I mean, people can hurt you bad. People, church people sometimes can hurt you bad. Loved ones that you adore can hurt you bad. And it stinks to get hurt like that. When people deceive you, or do, it's rough and it's hard to get through. But when we rationalize it and say, well, I, I'm not, I can't forgive them. I will not forgive them for what they did to me. I'll never forgive them for what they did to me. And, and that seems like such a logical thing as a human being. But the de- declaration that Jesus made that is non-negotiable. None of these declarations are, are negotiable. In other words, when Jesus made these declarations, not one time did he say, now here's what I'm thinking, but you know, I, want to sh- I want your guys' thoughts. Give me a little feedback. You know, give me your input. Let me know if you think it's fair. And if you guys don't think it's fair, then I'll change my declaration. Jesus never did that. 
He made a declaration that's non-negotiable. No matter what the circumstances are that are surrounding it. The declaration Jesus made was, if you refuse to forgive people when they wrong you, then God will refuse to forgive you of the ways that you've wronged Him. That's, that's quite a declaration. Well, you just don't understand. They did this. And well, my situation is different. If you believe, I'm going to say it again. If you believe His first declaration that He is God, He is Christ, the Messiah, then you have to believe this declaration that we can't harbor unforgiveness. We can do it. You can do it. I just can't. Yes, you can. You can do it. Through the, through the help of the Holy Spirit. You know what? Remember back to that confession that Peter made? I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, Jesus said, you know, you're blessed, Simon. You know why? Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. In other words, it wasn't just, you're not believing that just because a person told you. My Father, the Spirit of God, revealed that to you. It's the Spirit of the Lord that reveals to us that Jesus is who He says He is, and it is that same Spirit that enables us to follow every declaration after. Yeah, it's hard for us in our flesh to forgive people, but the Holy Spirit, the more we yield our life to Him, the more we let God have His way in our life, the easier we find it. We find the ability to forgive people no matter how much they've wronged us or how often. Amen? Uh, John 15, 12 says this. Uh, I'll leave you with this one. <clears throat> uh, this is my commandment, Jesus said, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if, everybody say if, yeah. if you do what I command you. Okay? Jesus is giving commands. He's making declarations. He's giving teachings. And he said, the only way that you can say that you love me is if, John chapter 14, 15 says this, he said, Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. The only way that you can honestly say you love me is if you heed the declarations and the teachings that I have made throughout my ministry. We, in other words, we can't say, oh yes, I love Jesus, and say we hate somebody else. You can't do it. It's just not possible. It means that you really don't love Christ. That's what he's saying. Um... So what we have to do then is not focus so much on how much we hate people. Focus more, focus more on how much we love God. And as we focus on how much we love God and how much God loves us, He gives us the power and the ability to love those even that we hate. Wasn't that another declaration Jesus made? I'm saying unto you, love your enemies. You've been taught to hate your enemies, but Jesus said, I am declaring unto you right now that if you believe me to be who I say I am, I am declaring that you must love your enemies. And you see that they have need? Help them. Wow. Nobody ever said his declarations were easy, but they're his declarations nonetheless. Amen? Again, whether we agree with them or not. I've tried to get him to change his mind on some things. He's never done it. He goes, there's another place Jesus said, this is how, that's how people will know you're my disciples. That's how, somebody, that's how people will know you're a real Christian. A lot of, anybody can confess to be a Christian, say they're a Christian, but Jesus said, this is how people will know that you really are if you love one another. Right? By this shall people know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. All right, so my, I'm going I'm to leave you with a challenge. You know, it's Christmas is approaching. We've got about, what, four or five weeks uh, before Christmas. <clears throat> and contrary to uh, popular belief and, and uh, Hollywood and Dish Network and all of that, uh, the Christmas season is about Christ. That's where
where we get the word Christmas, right? Um, being a Christian is all about Christ. That's why we're called Christians, come from Christ. You know where they first got that terminology? When people started acting like Christ? In Antioch was the first time that anybody was ever called a Christian. And the reason they called him a Christian was because those people are acting like Christ. What a compliment. I'm not so sure that the people that called them Christians to begin with meant it as a compliment. If those people were acting like Jesus, they were like, man, that's the best compliment you've ever paid me. Christ, Christians, Christmas. We, we think about, my challenge is to you this, and I know we do this every year, but uh, take it a little more serious this year. I'm going to take it a step further to really put a lot of focus on who Jesus is. Okay? In these next few weeks, um, think about Christ, think about your confession, who He is, who He said He is, and about all of His other declarations, His teachings. So my challenge to you is to learn more about Christ in this next month. Leading, now leading up to Christmas. Learn more about Jesus Christ than, than you know now. Okay? Know something more about His teaching on December 25th than you know right now on November 25th. This is exactly one month before Christmas. Just realize that. Know something more in one month's time. How do you do that? How about let's read the Gospels. Okay? There's Matthew. If you, and I'm going to be very plain simple because maybe you don't know. Take your Bible. Split it in half. Hang a right until you get to Matthew. Okay? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We call that the Gospels. That is the recording of all Jesus' life, Jesus' teaching, Jesus' declarations. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Read a chapter. Pick a, pick a Gospel. Any one of those. And read a chapter every day. Do you know that... Well, I think I figured it up today. There's 20... I forget how many... You can read the entire book of... The entire Gospel of John and the entire Gospel of Mark. If you were to read one chapter a day, one chapter, I think there's 37 chapters total. So there'll be a day or two you'll have to double up and read two. But you can literally read two Gospels between now and Christmas. But even if you just pick one. I think the others have, Mark has 16 chapters, I think. Maybe uh, Luke has 24 chapters, I don't remember. If you pick a Gospel and read a chapter every single day, you will know, I promise you, you will know more about your Savior. You'll know more about the Redeemer. You'll know more. What, you'll, you'll understand more why you believe what you believe. Jesus will come alive to you. Okay. If you say, "Well, you know, if you don't, you don't have time, make time." Let's be honest. Let's be honest. <clears throat> Who don't have ten minutes in their day? It literally takes ten minutes to read one chapter of the Bible. You can make time. You can make ten minutes. Get it on your phone. Have my phone. Get the Bible app. Okay. Go to your app store and type in Uversion Bible app. It's awesome. Okay, it has the has the, the entire Bible right there at your phone. You may be on your lunch break. Yeah, you listen to it. Actually, yeah, some of them have it. You play and they'll actually listen to it. Get the Bible app. Take your Bible to work. If, if you if you're in a situation where you can do that, get take your Bible app. Read it for ten minutes. You say, "Well, I'm, you know, I'm trying to read the King James. I don't understand it." On the Bible app, there's a there's an English standard ESV English Standard Version. It's the one that I've been using. It's a good version. Look at that. Look at the New King James. If you can't understand it, get ESV. Everybody say ESV, ESV. or New King James. Those are my favorite. I'm not saying those are the only ones. Those are my favorite. If you don't understand it, read it. And here's a real novel idea. Here's the way I did it. Pray and ask God, please. Holy Spirit, show me what you're saying here. Help me to know what you, what you mean by this. Teach me. Teach me. And He will. You're not going to read 
one chapter a day between now and Christmas and be a Bible scholar. But you'll know more than you do today. And that's all that anybody can ask. Amen? It's never been easier to read and study and know the declarations of Jesus Christ. Take advantage of that. Amen? To change your life. To change your life.